Fish Stripes Unfiltered on the Fish on First Podcast Network. My name is Isaac Zoot, and I'm joined, as always, by the delicious Kevin Barral. We are recording this on May 4th, 2023. The Marlins currently sit one game over 500 at 16 and 15. They're currently playing right now against the first place Atlanta Braves, down 4-2 to two in the top of the fourth. Kevin, I missed you last night on the interview. That You'll hear that at the end of this pod, but how are you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm good. Good stuff with Kyle Seeloff, who's our, I guess, our guest for today's podcast, second half of it. And yeah, you mentioned it, Marlins over 500. Um, Ozuna just hit a bomb right before we started this one. So third homer of the series for him, you know, along with that granite slam. So a lot to talk about, but we'll keep our portion pretty short. And you guys could then go on and listen to a great interview with Kyle. And he talks not only about, you know, the Marlins, but just his new role with the team and gives um you know it was a great pot yeah it was good stuff by cal something we can get right into kevin this series uh the horrors have come to south florida uh from atlanta for this team against the atlanta braves what have you seen it Mars have gotten their good three guys on the mound and sandy luzardo and braxton garrett all of them getting hit relatively hard what are you seeing wrong for this team i mean at this point it's hard it's hard to even you know know what's going on wrong i mean the Braves are obviously one of the best teams in baseball. They obviously showed that in the first four-game set. They, I think it was the same three guys on the mound. Braxton looked good in that start at Atlanta. Fortunately, got delayed. He couldn't keep going. But Sandy and Luzardo now, I mean, now Luzardo also getting pretty wrecked out there. Sandy did not look good. Um, and Braxton, I, I believe he allowed, what was it, six earned runs? And in, in that start, he allowed a couple, uh, I think it was four homers. I mean, he has, they did not, the pitching has been really bad. And, you know, the offense, thankfully, put up six runs, I guess. If you want to put up some positive, they, they got it going. They got runs in there. So they got to the Atlanta pitching in that second game. So, and now Jorge Soler and today with that two run shot, he got it going kind of, he, the guy game was three to two. Now, obviously, Atlanta has a bigger lead. So, I mean, I, I think it starts to go more on the pitching than the hitting is how I feel like it is. Yeah, I mean, you're playing the first-place team, and they're showing why they're the first-place team in the NL East, and probably will stay there for the, for the remainder of the season if, you know, we, we have to guess. Yeah, another positive that came out of this series, um, unfortunately, though, before we get to that, uh, Avi Garcia was placed yeah. on the IL, Garrett Cooper as well. So the Marlins had to call some fun names, and Xavier Edwards made his Major League debut, got a single in his second game, and Peyton Burdick is up, made the starting center field on Thursday. What are you seeing from them and their very, very limited limited sample size so far and also what you saw in AAA? Well, yeah, I mean, you saw Burdick made a very nice catch in center field. This is Sean Murphy out to center field, long way back for Burdick, who makes the catch and slams into the wall. What a terrific play from Peyton Burdick in center field. The Edwards call-up was a little bit surprising, I would call it. Maybe you would agree. I mean, he's been hitting very well in AAA, over 300, WRC plus, way over 100. Singles to Burdick, who leads the National League in homers. I think he got to 10 or 11 already. So he's showing why he should have been up right from the get-go. Same goes to, I mean, Edwards. Edwards, I think, definitely was forcing that call-up, and he got it. Unfortunately, now, Joey Wendell, I guess more unfortunately for Edwards than for Wendell. Wendell's coming back from the IL, so you would assume that the swap is going to be you know, Edwards goes back down before the trip to Chicago and Joey Wendell will join them at Wrigley Fields. But I mean, man, Edwards is a guy who is very, at this point in his career or the, the way that the Marlins have really set him up to be is kind of that utility type player where now he not only play the outfield, mainly center field, 
but he could also play, you know, shortstop and third and even second. So, um, you know, this guy, high walk rate. I think it's in the 16% walk rate, not striking out too much. Edwards has been really good. There's no other way to say it. He deserves it. He really did deserve the call-up. And unfortunately, if he does end up going down, he, he definitely is going to get a shot soon, especially with Hampson. If he starts to really regress, you'll definitely see Edwards getting that call-up soon once again, unless he goes to Chicago and they DFA Hampson, which could definitely be the case here. And then with Burdick, I mean, during spring training, Peyton Burdick was probably having one of the better spring trainings out of that Marlins outfield. I would have said even better than Jesus Sanchez which I know, you know, definitely something to mention there uh, with Jesus now kind of getting it going there. So now DLC becomes, I guess, the the, the guy you could option down, especially with, you know, Sanchi, no options. DLC, I believe, still has one or two. But Burdick was having the better year in spring training or the better spring training as a whole. And, you know, unfortunately, I think it was it was the toe injury that sidelined him out and eventually put him down in AAA, where then he started just to show why Miami should have given him a chance earlier. And, the guy started mashing and mashing. Unfortunately, the high strikeout rate and 30, 35% strikeout rate around that number is kind of what's hurting, what hurt his case to kind of get the call up sooner maybe. But, I mean, hey, he's back up, and he played some really good center field yesterday. Now, if he could get the bat going and show the raw power he has, you got to feel really good about where you, ha- where you are with Peyton Burdick. And I know Eli, who's producing this, shout out to him, he said it would be 15 major league homers for, for Burdick. So I feel pretty good about that number if he definitely stays up with the team and I mean, if he performs better than Sanchi and DLC, you start to wonder, will, will DLC go down now with Wendell back up? You know, I think that's the question you have to ask yourself. A lot of roster movement coming in the coming days now, especially with Wendell coming back. So we just have to see what they do with either Hampson or um, DLC. Yeah, well, you mentioned it. Uh, with Burdick, the case is something that we're going to have to wonder is the just insane slump of Brian De La Cruz, uh, we asked Skip about it, and he just he's just trying, he's pressing a little bit, he's just not hitting the ball well at all, and I need to get these stats just correct to make sure, but he is, not including today, because he does have a hit today, he's one for two, but he is two for his last 29 with 18 strikeouts. What do they have in this player? Is he just one of the streakiest players in baseball, or is he actually just a 4A player? I mean, when they first acquired him, Isaac, we both said it, that he probably his ceiling would be the fourth outfielder of this team. And that's probably where I see it. But if you have other guys performing in the minor leagues, like Burdick, for example, Gerard's having a really nice year. He's playing mainly first base, but another guy who's playing well. Jake Mangum is also playing well. Those guys are pressing hard to play over a guy like DLC, who, as you said, is just slumping real bad. you got to give those guys a chance over DLC. He has a minor league option. Send him down to AAA. Get him to work on whatever he may need to work on. And once you once they think he's ready... Just bring him back up. I mean, this team right now, as, you, as we started off with, they they are over 500 in second place in NL East. They find themselves actually in a pretty comfortable position with the Mets getting swept by the Detroit Tigers, um, you know, including that doubleheader they played yesterday. But you, you got to feel, you know, a little concerned with DLC. He does provide you the versatility that he could play all three outfield spots pretty comfortably besides maybe center field, the one who gives you most concern as it does with basically every other Marlins outfielder, not named Jazz Chisholm. Um, but, I mean, at this point, if you have guys who are performing in the minor leagues, like Mangum, who could also play center field, that's his main spot. So if you're trying to win, DLC is not, not helping you in that regard. So probably best to maybe send him down and see who, who they could bring up to, to replace him. 
Yeah, speaking of bringing people up, the, I know you guys have the uh, live stream tonight, season preview, but the Cubs did make a, a pretty big call up. They selected the contract of Matt Mervis. Uh, he will be making his major league debut this weekend against the Miami Marlins. Um, just sort of give me your quick, brief preview of this series. We're coming off a sweep against this team, but it's going to be in Wrigley all three games, 2.20 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be in their home field. What do you see happening this weekend? Yeah, last time Miami swept the Cubs just quickly with Matt Mervis this year, hitting 286, 402, 560 with a 962 OPS, 140 WRC plus. He has six homers, 27 RBIs. He's Matt Mervis. I mean, they call him Mash Mervis for a reason. This guy has the power. He's also walk. He's also striking out at a 17% rate, 16% wow. walk rate. So this guy is their top prospect. He should have been called up with the start of the season, to be honest with you. I mean, th you know, the only reason he didn't get the call up is because Eric Hosmer and Ma and Trey Mancini both were signed to the team, but he, he, he pushed for a call. Chicago needs to start winning. Now they have the advantage in Wrigley with at their home ballpark. Why not bring up Matt Mervis, who probably is going to find a lot of success there. Uh, I believe Miami's going more or less with the bottom of their rotation. So I think tomorrow they go with, was it tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? You should know this. Who is it tomorrow? Oh, pitching-wise? Yeah, for the Marlins. Uh, Edward. Edward, and then I think Braxton pitches in this series. Again. Edward, Hoeing, and then Sandy on Sunday. Not Sandy? Oh, shit. Well, then you have to feel pretty good, besides probably Brian Hoeing, but uh, no offense to him. Just you got, And this is also a series where you hope to see Sandy kind of get it going. I mean, this is a good series for Sandy to – Bounce back. He's facing a Cubs team, which isn't too strong. And then Brian Hohen, hopefully, he just keeps them in that. And you're, placed, you're facing a lot better pitches than you did last time when it comes to the Cubs. Justin Steele having a good year. Same thing with Hayden Wozneski. Drew Smiley uh, had a no-hitter through like seven or eight in a couple weeks ago. So it's going to be a fun series. Miami usually has success when they go into Chicago. So hopefully they could hold up and take two out of three, which would be huge. And, you know, for the coverage-wise, Noah's going to be there for, I believe, Friday and Sunday. So he'll be there covering and just stay tuned to his coverage at, at this point. And, I mean, you're, you're going to a stretch and not to go too far ahead with Arizona, but these are two teams that they beat in Miami. So the goal would definitely be take uh, hopefully sweep in Chicago and be able to take two out of three at Arizona. That would put Miami in a very comfortable second place unless now with Bryce Harper back with the Phillies, they got it going and you know, that'll be, that'll be scary. And the Mets at this point, they're, they're, they're doing the Met pretty early. I think that's how we could put it. I mean, losing, getting swept by the Detroit Tigers is pretty bad. Yeah. The Phillies had a really devastating loss last night in LA after coming back. Harper, yeah, Harper, Harper seems to be fully back. Got on base five times yesterday regarding Sandy and Wrigley. He actually struggles in his career against the Cubs, but in Wrigley, he's got two career starts where he's got a very minuscule, well, not too minuscule, four or five ERA. But I think that's where we'll we'll end it here. And we'll the only thing I want to mention quickly is with Pat Monteverde. Oh, that's right. Monteverde. Um, he is the minor league pitcher of the year. Or not minor, oh, Jesus Christ. Minor, minor league pitcher of the month for the Southern League. And I mean, to be honest, he's on his way to get that minor league pitcher of the year for the Marlins. The guy is having a great year, and, and he he's dominating. There's no other way to put it. I mean, this guy has turned himself into a – um, you know, one of those more elite pitching prospects with a 3-0 record, 0 0.35 ERA, 26 innings pitched, 38 strikeouts. 
Monteverde is having a really good season. He's going to be on the, uh, Alex Carver's podcast on Friday. So, you know, that, that should be fun to see what he's been, what adjustments he may have made, what's going, what's been different for him. And I guess just to keep going on the minor leagues, Evan Fitter now with double A, he's had a really good start to the year. Besides giving up five walks in his last start, he didn't allow a run. I think he only gave up one hit and he struck out five. So, I mean, that double A pitching is fun. You have Dax, Yuri, Monteverde, uh, Fitter, and I believe they still have one more pitcher down there because they're going five-man rotation. So should be fun. Um, and definitely, you know, when we start looking down the road, definitely one of these guys are probably going to make their major league debut this year. More likely Monteverde or Yuri than Dax and Fitter. I know Craig has been pushed at, and we won't get into that right now, but I think next in line is Monteverde, who, you know, has been strikeout dominant right now for, for the for the Wahoos. Uh, it's kind of going through that Brian Hoeing type thing we saw last year, except this time Monteverde is just strikeouts, you know, besides Hoeing's ground balls. So, yeah, it's nice to see he him earning minor league pitcher of the month for the Southern League. And, you know, it's double A, probably the hardest level of minor league baseball. So congrats to him. And hopefully he keeps us going. That would be pretty cool. 2018 guy, I believe. Last thing I'll ask you, Kev. Uh, did Major League Baseball get it right with the National League April Player of the Month? Uh, at first, I told myself no. But after looking at it, when you look at it, I mean, Acuna has just had the more complete month. I do think that when someone like Luis Arias make, does makes history, it should have been him. I think it should have been him. Um, but I definitely see the reasoning why Acuna got the award. You know, And, and I know people are saying, oh, more home runs, more RBIs, more this and that. But, I mean... When a guy is hitting for something, you hit for the first cycle in franchise history, and you're just putting up numbers that you that aren't being put up right now in the major leagues. I think he deserved it more than Acuna, but I mean, I think you could say it's and you know, you know, us being a Marlins and you know with the Braves and all that. I mean, taking bias out of the way, Acuna definitely deserved that award, but I think Arise just deserved it a little more, and you know, he came in second. Hopefully. He puts a month not similar to what he did in April, but fairly close. And, you know, he, he'll win one of those. It would have been amazing to see him Marlon win the, uh, the player of the month. I don't think that's been done in years. I think the last time was Stanton, and it was probably in 2017, that last year he was here. But, you know, hopefully he wins it at some point. And, uh, you know, I, I do want to get your take on that minor league player, minor league, major league player of the month for April. It's tough because in recent memories, you'd think that. The player, whether he hits for the cycle or he throws a no-hitter, does something historic, they're usually a shoe-in for the award. And when you have an on-base percentage over 500 or at 500 like Arise was at, and you're putting up numbers that Barry Bonds put up in his, you know, one month into a season since 2004 or something like that, you usually go with that player. But, you know, if there was a player to beat Luis Arise for this award, it was Ronald Acuna Jr. He's yeah. hitting home runs. He's stealing bases. He's hitting the ball extremely hard. And he's playing for a first place team. So, and Kyle and I get into it. So we'll leave you for that. Uh, We'll leave that for you soon. But I I think they, it was a decision that they couldn't have made. It was just, it was, there's no right decision. Either one, they could have nailed it. So that'll do it for Kevin and I. Stick around for a great interview with Marlon's radio play by play man, Kyle Sela. And we'll see you next time on episode number 41. Forgot to mention, this is 40. So we'll see you next time. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fish Stripes Unfiltered on the Fish on First Podcast Network. My name is Isaac Azut, and we are recording this on May 3rd, 2023. The Marlins are currently two games over 500 at 16 and 14 after a bit of a deflating loss last night against the first place Atlanta Braves. But I'm joined by a very special guest. The voice of the Marlins is heard on Marlins Radio, play-by-play man, Kyle Seeloff. Kyle, thank you so much for taking the time. How well, are you? Thanks for having me, Isaac. I'm happy to do it. Good to see you guys. And obviously, this is your first year full-time doing play-by-play. Just sort of take us through the transition of doing this every single day and maybe other responsibilities that the fans don't know about. Well, I think what's been nice is that this is my 11th season with the Marlins. It's obviously my first doing the full-time play-by-play. But I think the nice thing when getting this opportunity is that you're not going somewhere new and you're trying to learn 40 or 50 new faces Mm -hmm. or names. So there's a comfortability level um, with some players, obviously, with front office personnel on the business side. Um, so I think it's been good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, again, it's just really nice. It was comforting knowing that I just don't have to learn something totally new. I had obviously had some opportunities doing 20 to 25 games in recent seasons, which was a great experience. Um, and obviously, I'm super fortunate and appreciative of this opportunity to be you know, doing this now for a team that I love and I've enjoyed every minute and I hope everybody listening enjoys it too. That's why we do it, right? I mean, you know, my goal every night is whether the ball club wins or loses, was it easy on the years for two and a half hours for people at home? Maybe they Mm -hmm. learned something, but, you know, I think every good radio broadcast, any good radio broadcast, it just feels like they're family and somebody you want to hang out with and drink a beer with and sit on your couch with in the summertime for a couple hours. Yeah, I think you nailed it. And that sort of brings me to our next question, which would be, what do you think are the important attributes of a good radio broadcast nowadays? Well, I don't know. It's different this year, right? Because, like, the whole pitch clock thing and everything, as crazy as it sounds, I, I, I always enjoyed a good broadcast when it was just easy on the ears. You know, maybe not somebody that you, or you just hear something constantly. Because I think at some point, and I always try to stay cognizant of this, I feel like if I don't shut up, that people are just going to hear noise. And what starts to come out of my mouth, people don't really hang on to. Because really, and I do this at home too, if you listen to a baseball game on the radio, you don't generally hang on to every person's word, but you can hear the inflection when they get excited. What you're constantly wanting to hear is the score, the count, who's on base, what inning you're in. And I think most of all, Whether we're at home or on the road, the one thing I love about a good radio broadcast, I love to hear the sounds of the ballpark. Mm -hmm. You know, you love to hear the fans. You love to hear an organ in the background. It may sound silly, but I love to hear the usher or the, you know, the guy selling peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I love, I love hearing that. So I think, you know, for me, when I, when I think of some of the best radio teams in baseball, 
it's just easy on the ears. Like I said, you know, there's some good stuff thrown in there throughout the broadcast. Little nugget here, little nugget there. Maybe you open your eyes a little bit. Wow, something happened tonight. They mentioned that earlier. It hasn't happened in 10 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not overly just saturated from start to finish. And I just think it makes a good broadcast. But again, it's been odd because I, I, I generally try to go back and listen to three or four innings from the previous night. And I have found what's been a little bit tough is that sometimes I feel like you, you, you're trying to catch your breath along with the players. You know, like the pitchers are throwing a pitch every 10 seconds. And I'm sitting here listening at home. I'm like, you know, breathe for a second, dude. Like, it's all right. Just, you know, you can't miss a pitch. But just breathe for a second, right? Just let the broadcast breathe a little bit. Um, but it's been interesting. I think everybody's trying to, in some capacity, get used to the new rules because, yeah. you know, when I'm working with, well, we're doing this on May 3rd, so I'm working with Jeff Nelson tonight. I want to hear from him because this is a dude, he's the one percenters of one percenters. He did this for a long time and won World Series. I want to hear what he has to say. Yeah. I'll sit right there and I'll provide what the balls and strikes are. And I'll try to accurately depict every single time a ball's in the air, it's off the wall, gets stuck in the fence like it did last night, what's going on. <laughs> but a lot of people want to hear from the dude that did it right. and what makes it so interesting. But I guess that's a long way of answering what I like in a broadcast. Well, you mentioned you had Jeff Nelson on last night. Whether it's Rod Allen or Kelly Sacco, how do you properly balance... Don't forget Gabby now. Don't forget Gabby Sanchez, of course. How do you properly balance you know, conversing with them while the game is on and also letting them answer questions and also giving the audience the play-by-play? Well, I think what's important for me, because I do work with different folks, and I love them all. I think they're all unique and they bring something different. Rod came from a place where he wasn't a pitcher. Nelly was a pitcher. Gabby, many people are going to forget, was brought up as a catcher before he went to first. He was drafted as a catcher. Hmm. And then he obviously went to third a little bit, and he played yeah. first. That's a unique perspective, a guy that didn't primarily catch. Um, and Kelly was a terrific softball player. And there's a unique aspect to that, too. There's some similarities um, between the sports, and that's a, just a unique perspective. Kelly will sometimes she'll storytell a little bit more, right? That's interesting to me. That's, it, I think they're all different. Now, the one thing that I try to do is almost after every single pitch, I'll lay out for those guys. You know, if Nelly, if Nelly has something to say after every single pitch, great. If he doesn't, that's okay because we can listen to the ballpark south. Right. And I'll make sure I continue to tell you what the score is, who's on base, what inning we're in, all that good stuff. Um, but it's not like we have to have a conversation before we broadcast. I think the more you work with people, the more chemistry you build. And, you know, I do work with a lot of different folks. But, and I don't mind that at all. But I, I think the one thing that I try to do to give them an opportunity to have their voice heard um, by the audience is... After each pitch, I give them a second to just, you know, do their thing. What, you know, what, what are they saying? Right. And I guess the last question I'll ask you about this certain subject is any advice you might have for a young broadcaster who is looking to get into this particular field? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot. Um, from my experience, you know, the one big thing for me is when I look at, like, a resume now, I don't care if you had a 4.0 in school especially in broadcasting, it doesn't matter. Because if you don't have a demo reel or something to show people that you are capable of doing this, you're not going to get an opportunity. And we are in a day and age now. I mean, right? we have two little microphones. You're hooked up to your phone. Yeah. It is very, very easy mm-hmm. to spend $30 on Amazon or whatever it's going to cost you 
and go sit in the bleachers at a University of Miami, FIU, FAU baseball game, take a scorebook you can buy at Dick's Sporting Goods, and go sit there and call a game. If you're a little shy or a little embarrassed, take a lawn chair, go down the right field line. Go way out. Go sit in your car if you can see the field clearly. Like, it can be a little uncomfortable at first, but try to get yourself comfortable with being uncomfortable and just go do it. Just go do it. I mean, shoot. If you have MLB.TV, there's an option. You don't have to hear a broadcast. I think you can still just listen to the ballpark sounds or whatever. Yep. Maybe it's gone now, but they had that at one point. You could literally call a major league game without hearing the broadcaster. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's wait, there's so many options. If you're in high school, I don't know, find a way to get the teacher. So you could probably stream that these days. Yeah. You could stream a game off of your phone and you know broadcast and screw it up there, but. You know, there's some great institutions and colleges and universities for broadcasting. And if you come out of there with a great GPA but no experience in the real world, it's going to be really hard for people to hire you because the, you, you have to have a demo reel. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Figure it out. Just figure it out. Fair enough. And I guess we can segue sort of into, these, into this 2023 Marlins season really quick. They're coming off a loss last night, 6 nothing. where their ace, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, that I think Sandy obviously wasn't perfect, yeah. but he pitched well enough that he gave his team a chance to win. Unfortunately, the bat just never came alive against Bryce Elder. What are you seeing from this team, in particular games against a team like the Braves? Well, they've had their struggles. You know, Nelly and I were chatting about it on the broadcast last night. Yeah. It's like something just feels a little different every, t- every time these two teams get together. And the Marlins have got to find a way to get over the hump where, where, you know, it almost feels like sometimes it's like, you know, they're fighting from the start instead of this is the Marlins and the Braves and we're going toe-to-toe tonight instead of feeling like you're behind the eight ball out of the gates. Um, I, I thought, I, I, and you look, when we do this, there's still two games left in the series. Right. Braxton Garrett's pitching tonight. Who would have figured that he might be your most reliable starting pitcher <laughs> to start the season going back to spring training and Jesus Lazardo goes tomorrow who's been really good. Who would have thunk that Sandy Alcantara might be the one you have to worry about coming out of the spring? A guy that tossed, what, 230 innings and made 31 starts last year or whatever it was? But I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. You know, I thought maybe they'd get over the hump a little bit after dropping the first three in Atlanta last Thursday. Mm-hmm. And with two outs, they scored five runs or four runs or whatever it was. Yeah. I was like, man, that's, I wonder if that'll turn this thing a little bit. Because a lot of players and managers and coaches are like, it's a great narrative for us in the media, whether you're writing or you're broadcasting, TV, TV or radio, it's easy to be like, well, here's the history between these two teams. It's a, it's a different team. Braves aren't that much different. They've got everybody locked up for the next two decades. It's the same guy. You, you know what I'm saying? They're like, this Marlins team is different than the one that got throttled by the Braves last season. Uh, you know, and I know the Braves have obviously now won four of the five here, but that, but that could change. The great thing about baseball is it could change rapidly. Right, Braxton Garrett's allowed what? Two runs or less in all five of his appearance, four starts this season or whatever it is. Um, he can go out there and shove tonight. Marlins can win this game 2-1, to one, win their 11th one-run game, and tie the 72 Mets or whatever for the all-time record in that department. They can win tomorrow, they can win the series, and then the narrative last time, or the next time we see him at the end of June is like, how do you keep it rolling? You know, and the question for Brian Snicker is, how do you beat these guys? You know, it's like, I think I saw today, the Braves all-time are like 303 and 202 versus the Marlins. It's like their highest winning percentage ever against the team. Like, that's insane. 303 wins, but I don't know how much stock I put into it. I guess it's a good storyline, but but you do want to see 
a team that is going to be expected to win a World Series with the type of talent that they put on the field every single night, you want to see the Marlins maybe be a touch more competitive than they've been. But I say that, it's like, you know, last week they had a 4 nothing lead and they coughed it up, and who would have thought Dylan Floro in Atlanta was going to mm-hmm. give up his first runs of the season. So I shouldn't even say that they've been uncompetitive against the Braves. Last night they got it handed to them a little bit in game one in Atlanta, but, you know, they come back, they score five in the ninth, they had a four-run lead last week. We'll see. I mean, they're there, but I think they're playing them well. Yeah, when we were in Atlanta together, that was when they uh, actually got to 100 games over 500 against this Marlins team, which right. was just insane. I saw in the Braves games notes that in SunTrust Park, in Truist Park, I should say, the Marlins have the worst winning percentage of all teams yeah. in Major League Baseball. It's a just house of horrors for them, yeah. Absolutely. Those are like the exact words that I used in the article. At least a positive note for the Marlins this year. He did not win April Player of the Month. I couldn't believe there's an argument to be made for the player who did win it. He's playing in right field tonight. Ronald Acuna Jr. did win it. But Luis Arise, how refreshing has it been to watch a player like him not strike out? He has twice as many RBI right? as strikeouts. How great is it to have him on your team? Well... Kim Eng deserves a lot of credit for having the guts to pull off that deal because it's not easy to part with a guy like Pablo Lopez. And there was, I think, a little criticism. I, I would not say that when the deal was struck, I did not see too many people be like, are you kidding me? What are they doing? Because this is a guy that has come to Miami with the pedigree of an American League batting champion. Not mm-hmm. easy to do in that league. It's not easy to do in the National League. But he has picked up right where he's left off. Yeah. And, I mean, you see all these crazy stats now, and he's, not, he, he's in the same realm, obviously not the same player, but, you know, he, he's getting intentionally walked like he's Barry <laughs> Bonds. You know, he's putting up, like, Bonds numbers in some categories. Yeah. Arise has been great. And there's been a ton of positives for this Marlins team. You know, it's easy to say after you lose to the Braves 6-0 that, well, you know, things aren't going well and Sandy lost. Well, yo, I mean, this team's two games over five hundred. They've played a pretty tough schedule to start the season. You know, 7 of 10 against the Mets, Philadelphia, Minnesota, some really good teams. The Marlins have held their own. They've been scrappy. I thought they pitched well. The bullpen has been great. I think Skip has just about pressed every single right button at times. I think it's been fun watching him manage. But back to Arise, I mean, where is this? I, I, would, I would say this. I would question people in this department. If you don't, if you don't know how good a Luis Arise is, Go back and look at every game and ask yourself at the end of those games, would the Marlins have won this game without him? Mm-hmm. Where would they be after a month of baseball without Luis Arise? I don't know the answer to that, but my guess would be they probably would not be 16 and 14. Totally agree. Really quick question. Do you think he got snubbed for the award this month? I don't, I don't know. I, so I voted for him. I will, I will say that. I voted for Luis Arise. But to me, he was not the absolute clear favorite and I would and this this to me is why if they said the criteria and it's not he's not the, the the award is not the National League player of the month but it's the National League MVP of the month mm-hmm. the most valuable player to me Luis Arise would get every single vote he was the most valuable player in the National League to his respective team Correct. again where would the Marlins be without Luis Arise if you cover mm-hmm. up Luis Arise and Ronald Acuna Jr's names on a piece of paper and I present to you a 450 average <laughs> with very limited power and similar on base percentages as opposed to a 350 average with four bombs, 14 RBIs, and you lead the league in stolen bases, there would be a lot of people, if not the majority of people, that would take Ronald Acuna Jr. to be your National League Player of the Month. I voted for Luis Arise. I think he was the National League Player of the Month. 
When you hit 450 in the big leagues, hitting a baseball, many players that did this, I cannot attest to this, they say it's the hardest thing in the world to do. You're 60 feet, 6 inches away, and that little white thing is coming at your noggin at 98 miles an hour, and mm-hmm. then you got to gear up for something else. Like, hitting 450 is, like, incomprehensible because players these days will hit 280 and hit, like, 30 bombs and drive in 100, and that's a great year. I mean, Luis Arise is on pace to break all sorts of records. He's been sensational. With that being said, I voted for Luis. I wish he would have won the award, but I'm not totally in the camp of, like, how dare they vote for Acuna? Right. I mean, a majority of people are going to sign up for four bombs, 14 homers, 13 stolen bases, and a 350 average, Correct. especially in the game and age that we play today, yeah. where it's power, it's speed, it's find a way to get on base. I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr., even though he had four home runs and 14 runs better then, I, I don't, I don't, I'd like to go see how many runs he scored. He creates, you know, if he, well, he's similar to Jazz in a way, and Jazz has a long way to go, right. but he has the capability, Acuna, and the mark of a good base stealer is when you know he's running, then you can't stop him. He can walk, steal second, mm-hmm. and if he really feels like it, he'll steal third. Easily. And there might be, he might be on third base with nobody out, bottom of the first inning in a scoreless game, and all of a sudden they have a one nothing lead. He's that good. Yeah. And so Acuna deserves it. I thought Arise was certainly uh, deserving of the award. I voted for him, let me be very clear, but I'm not totally aghast why Acuna got it. Yeah, Acuna does have a higher war than in arise as well, but that's not everything. Someone that would have a very high wins above replacement on this team is Skip Schumacher as manager. It just seems every button he presses, it turns to gold. Uh, I agree with you. Right? Your thought, I think if it weren't for him, he single-handedly has earned the Marlins at least a couple of wins. Your thoughts on Skip Manager's rookie, day, uh, rookie season as Marlins manager? Yeah, I mean, I think he's been really, really good. I don't know, like, it, it, it's very hard, and I, I wouldn't even pretend to know everything. But it just feels like everything he's put his hands on has turned to gold to start the season. Whether it was maybe we could sit up here and question a move. You know, a lefty comes in to face a righty, and the splits would tell you this is a bad choice, and he struck him. You know what I'm saying? Like everything that he's done for the first 30 games has worked perfectly. And I think the one thing that he should also be commended for, and not just Skip, but his entire staff, and this goes all the way back to spring training, and I'm sure I've talked about this ad nauseum now. There are so many people in that clubhouse that are no longer playing that were a part of championship teams mm-hmm. that it was made very clear to them. When you play for the St. Louis Cardinals, when you go to the Los Angeles Dodgers, and some, wherever some of the other guys came from, when you walk in here every day, we are not going to embarrass ourselves. We are not going to embarrass our fan base. You're getting paid handsome money to do this, and we're coming here to win. And that is the culture... That is the mentality that Skip is building. And that is not to say, and I hate that we'll have to preface this for years, it feels like, that is not a knock on Donnie. But when you just bring somebody new in, there's new stuff. Mm-hmm. There's, there's new expectations. There's a new way of doing things. Um, and Skip, to me, is holding his players accountable. He does not walk around the clubhouse to make sure everybody's lacing them up the right way. He lets the players be in the clubhouse. They can say whatever they want in there. But he is holding them accountable. And the, I think he has struck the right chord with his messages. And um, I've really enjoyed watching him. I know we're only 30 games in, Kyle. But is there a favorite moment that you've had so far calling or you know, just being behind the mic for so far uh, this year? Calling? Oh, man. We had the walk-off the other night. 
that was fun. Walk-offs are always fun. Yeah. Great call on that, by the way. I think I Thanks. told you. You know, I mean, Luisa Rise with the cycle is cool because it's so unexpected. And I've always told myself, like, this team ever gets to the postseason. I, I think you have bullet points as a broadcaster. But I never want to script something out. Mm-hmm. Because what happens out here is never scripted. Mm-hmm. The emotions are different for everybody. I, I, you know, it's not even like, you know, as a broadcaster, I just want to be as authentic and genuine and let the emotions come to me as they would fans. May we see history on this Tuesday night in Philadelphia. A single away from a cycle. Here's the pitch. Swing it a line drive. Left field. History in Philly. Luis Arise has hit for the first ever cycle in Marlins franchise history. You know, this team might do something great this year. They may not. But, you know, to me, if you script something, you could have scripted something for a walk-off single to right field. Well, the emotions are different if you hit a bomb Mm -hmm. and the place goes nuts. Like, I think it's great to have bullet points, right, for the first time in 30 years. You know, whatever the case might be, I think it's different. Um, but I guess the Arise thing is cool because it's so unexpected. <laughs> Although I say that, and everybody that asked me, I was like, well, we knew he was going to do it. <laughs> it was just a matter of how he was going to do it. I right. mean, he could not get out. He still can't. He's lighting the world on fire. Um, but the Arise thing is cool. I'm trying to think. I mean, Cooper tied it. Was that opening day against the Mets with the two-run homer in the right center? Yeah, that was opening you know, day. A great crowd. Um, Sandy's complete game shutout. Uh, Solaire's go-ahead home run against the Giants. Pinch hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was great, too. Um, well, the Atlanta game was fun last Thursday. Yeah. Shoot, five runs in the top of the ninth. I don't know. It's always uncomfortable for me to talk about because I, I can, I'll never be able to explain to people. Like, I get this unbelievable opportunity. I'm a fan like everybody else. Mm-hmm. This is not about me. Like, I mean, I, I'm so happy and fortunate that I get a chance to do this. But seriously, the only thing I think of is, like, when I was a little boy listening on my radio... I just wanted to feel like I was there. And the people that are not here, but they're listening, bring the emotion to them. Make them feel like they're here. Make them feel like they're a part of this thing. And I'm just a small little sliver that I pray I can accurately describe what just happened to bring that to people. If they're sitting on their back porch in the middle of God's country in the Midwest or sitting down here a half a block away from here, you know, you never know where people are and when they're listening and you know, it, there's a, something to be said. People always tell you when there's good broadcasting and you enjoy listening or watching a game, it gets you away from the everyday BS of life. Mm-hmm. It's like a little escape for two and a half hours. Right? It's a little distraction. So I'm just super fortunate I get to do this and hope the fans like it. Yeah, well, speaking for most fans, I'm sure they would agree that we do. And they don't? Send me suggestions. <laughs> I will. And I guess one more question I could ask you is uh, personally, you know, when you grew up, mm-hmm. You're relatively young as well. Mm-hmm. Your favorite baseball radio broadcast role models that you enjoyed listening to the most? So I grew up in Ithaca, New York, and the AM frequency is strong enough for the fan, and I grew up a Mets fan, mm-hmm. and on when the sky was clear at nighttime. Now, some people, some really young people are going to be like, is this guy a fossil? I'm not. <laughs> but AM radio is still very reliant on the weather conditions outside, on a crystal clear night, you know, there's, you know, it's funny. St. You know, St. Louis Cardinals baseball can be heard coast to coast on a crystal clear night and can also be heard in Florida. 
on KMOX. It's I crazy. On a crystal clear night, you can hear St. Louis Cardinals baseball in parts of Florida. Um, so I just I remember, that. I was like, oh, man, it's a good summer night. I'm going to listen to a little Mets baseball tonight. We always had Yankees baseball on right. the radio as well. So growing up in New York, in the middle of New York, uh, in central New York, those were my options. Um, so I listened to a lot of Howie Rose growing up, listened to a lot of John Sterling growing up, watched Michael Kay, Gary Cohen growing up a lot. Um, so th- those are the people that I loved listening to those are my options right it's like you, you only have so many options there was only so many places i was going to turn but i guess it was kind of cool i had two different options so i would flip back and forth between mets and yankees radio broadcasts at nighttime growing up well this was awesome kyle thank you so much something that actually jason latimer wanted me to ask you you're about to go on a three-city road trip uh-huh who's gonna how are your cats gonna be fed uh, well only one cat and she's very self-dependent, so she so she's a queen. Um, she has the automatic feeder, which is sensational. What brand? Um, well, it's just like a Tupperware thing, but you know, it, gravity does its thing there. Now uh, she's got a beautiful litter box, and every seven minutes after she goes to the bathroom, that cycles, so she has a fresh bed of litter. In fact, I just got a notification that the clean cycle's been interrupted, so she may have she may have just gone potty. And uh, she might still be standing in there. Um, so we do have an issue right now, but I can tend to that when I get home tonight. Uh, my next-door neighbor, sweet lady, her name is Jeanette. She's got a key, so sometimes she'll go over and say hello to Mittens. Um, but she's, so, she's spoiled. I mean, she lives a great life. I, I hope to one day live one like hers. Right. We work hard so our pets have a great life. That's exactly right. Oh, it's, it's great. I, I can send more pictures out. She doesn't, you know. My, uh, my Twitter wallpaper is her. Uh, you know, she doesn't like to do too many photo shoots, obviously. <laughs> um, she likes to live a pretty fairly private life, but, uh, yeah, she's the best. Yeah, speaking as a dog dad, it is. It's definitely what kind of dog you got? A Cocker Spaniel. His name is Bryce, after I'm sure you can guess who. Right. Yes. Really? You, you're a Nationals fan growing no, up? No, just I'm a big Bryce Harbor fan. I think he's, he's back. awesome. He's back? 0 for 4. 0 for 4 yesterday. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> I, I just can't believe he's back after, what was it? Fastest ever, right? Nine months after Tommy John surgery? No, not How many? nine. Not no, 12? four or five. Yeah, it's like four or five, six days. months or something crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Insane. It sets a new standard. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, thank you again. This was the debut of uh, an in-person pod, so I'm very happy that you... This is the first one ever on Fish Rice. In person, absolutely. Oh, well, you know, uh, unfiltered, it was a debut of an in-person pod. All right, we'll make sure my check's in the mail. We can do this (laughs) weekly, and it'll come at a cost. See you guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kyle.